Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Cara. Hi, Vanessa. I want to spend today talking about changing friendships. One of the topics that I have worked the most on over the past decade that I have spent the most parenting energy on that you and I talk about all the time is the pain, the excitement, the worry around kids changing friendships, particularly in the puberty years, in the middle school and high school years. And even, and people are surprised by this, even in the late grade school years these days, changing friendships. And we're going to go through it in a variety of different, you've gotten very good at keeping us on task and making sure that we come back to each issue we bring up in the beginning. So I'm going to hold you oh, to that accountability. Here I go. I'm um, writing here notes. she goes. She's writing notes. If my brain won't remember it. Go. But I just want to acknowledge before we go into specific topics, that it is painful and confusing. It can be painful and confusing for kids going through changing friendships. And it can be very painful and confusing for the adults caring for kids, watching friendships change. So before we say anything else, if you are an adult struggling with being on the sidelines of this process, 
We see you. We have been there. We understand it. And this episode is about how to have conversations, how to navigate, what to say, what not to say, (laughs) which is probably the more important part of the guidance. As you observe these transformations, shifts, all of those things, and to all of the teachers out there and the coaches out there who may not be parenting, but are caring for kids in really important and profound ways, this is as much for you as it is for the parents listening to this episode. Okay. I'm jumping in with an asterisk and a summary. You ready? (laughs) The summary on my little post-it notepad for the YouTube viewers, it's right here. It's very short summary today. (laughs) We are going to cover what to say and what not to say. Right? Okay. I'm going to keep you on task today. (laughs) But my my asterisk is I want to come in as the voice of sunshine and sparkles. And I want to say... It's okay, not strawberry about, shortcake. <laughs> I know. It's Monday when we're recording this. You would never guess. I want to come in from the perspective of positivity because when we talk about shifting friendships, we're talking about shifting friendships in two different directions. We're talking about moving beyond friendships. I think that's the painful, awkward, uncomfortable, nerve-wracking, frustrating part of it. And then we're also talking about gaining friendships. We're talking about new blossoming friendships and new connections. And that's the rainbows and sparkles part. And the inspiration for this episode actually comes from an essay in our book. This is so awkward. Modern Puberty Explained, in case you forgot the title. Publishing October 10th, 2023. Ding, ding, ding. Um, (laughs) At the end of each chapter in the book, there's 20 chapters. And at the end of each of chapters three through 18, there are what we call youth voice. It's actually called From People Just Out the Other Side. And those pieces are written by the 18 to 22-year-olds, interns, and other contributors to the book who gave their perspective on the particular topic. And one of the young people who wrote a piece for the book in the friendship chapter, talked about moving cities during middle school and starting a new school. And I want to begin there, Strawberry Shortcake, with he does talk about the challenges and the difficulties of moving, but he also talked about the upside. And I want to let his perspective on the upside color how we go forth in this conversation. And he said that moving schools allowed him to reinvent himself. And it allowed him to become more of a version of himself than he had been able to be at his old school, with his old friends, in his old community. And so if we come at this topic from the perspective of reinvention, of self-expression, of self-exploration, of finding new connections... I think reframing it in the rainbows and unicorns way that Kara did, it changes the whole conversation. It doesn't discount or invalidate how people are feeling about these changing friendships and kids' moment-to-moment struggles, but it does shift it as something that's an opportunity and not just a burden. Right. And to just add that he moved cities, so his parents chose to move from one city to another. So it wasn't, this was not a case of a kid saying, 
I need to move schools for any number of reasons. And sometimes that reason is social. This was a kid who really actually didn't want to move. It wasn't his choice. And I think it's important to call out his gender in all this, right? So my guess is that when we said the topic was friendship, and when we said we had a youth voice piece, that some number of our listeners, probably the majority, assumed it was a piece written by a female because females tend to talk about friendship and process friendship a little bit more openly. Turns out they don't talk about friendship and process it more than anyone else does. They just do it in different ways and they've been celebrated for doing it in different ways. But what we have found in our work with teenagers in particular is that no matter your gender, this is an important topic and people have really strong feelings about it. And giving voice to people of all genders is really, really important because assuming friendships are only important to one swath of this group, I think is the first big miss. So the first how to talk about it note is to talk about it. No matter who your kid is, what their gender, what their age, what their circumstance, to put friendship on the list of recurring, you know, sort of records that you play. So my kids would view it as this record that's on the list over and over and over again. Droning parental voices. Yes, like torture, you know, on the list of torture devices. But no, just kidding. But on this replay list, if friendship isn't on there, it's time to add it. So that's the first tip. Yeah. And on the flip side, so we're acknowledging on the B side. On the B side, (laughs) on the less popular but cooler side. Generation Z doesn't understand. I know everyone's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Not only is it important to talk to boys about friendships and help them begin to parse and understand their skills and conception of friendship and changing friendships. It's also really important not to globalize and make general negative statements about girls' friendships. So if I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, oh, girls are so dramatic, girls are so mean, girls are so cruel, girls are so awful, and the list goes on and on and on. And I will tell you that I have been privy to many a group chat of boys interacting with each other. <laughs> it's plenty mean. It's, it's plenty mean. Yeah. It's plenty dramatic in its own way. It's plenty cruel in its own way. And so the point is not that everyone is cruel and everyone is awful to each other. The point is that kids of all genders at this age are navigating really tricky stuff amongst themselves with other people and within themselves. And they're going to do some dumb stuff. They're going to do some cruel stuff. But if we globalize and we generalize and we give them a bad rap, they will only serve to fulfill that bad reputation, to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy if we don't give them other options for how to be. Vanessa, do you ever do that thing when you're just standing in your closet, staring at your clothes, trying to figure out what to wear, when you know five minutes later, you're going to be sweating right through it? Yeah. I mean, Cara, I do it all summer long. And I even see my kids do it too. They may not have fully mature brains, but they do know that if it's already hot and humid at breakfast, it's not getting much better through the rest of the day. 
Do you know what else I notice? What? They grab their um shorts. Yeah, they do. It's so funny because we launched the brand Umla to create products that would make going through puberty more comfortable. But they're great for any hot and sweaty time, not just the sweatiness of puberty. Bras that feel great against the body and help manage developing boobs, shorts that are loose and airy like the opposite of underwear, and socks that don't smell even on the sweatiest days. So when temps run high, go to myoomla.com and use the code PUBERTYPODCAST at checkout for 15% off your order. That's myoomla, M-Y-O-O-M-L-A.com and use the code PUBERTYPODCAST. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors Ready to Eat Meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. (laughs) And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. 
Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal, and even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter, and fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. Okay, I have one more to lay out before we get into the scripting. And that is, if I had a dollar for every time people sexualized conversations or interactions or friendships between people of opposite genders, I mean, why is it that we assume that if girls are friends with one another, there's nothing sexual there. It's a friendship dynamic. If boys are friends with one another, there's nothing sexual there. That's a friendship dynamic. But if a girl and a boy are friends, can they be in the Harry Met Sally? Can they be friends way? Right. And I asked this question having gone, you know, I, I went to an all girls middle and high school. I went to an all girls camp. I loved my girl community. As I've gotten older, some of my very best friends in life are people from that time in my life. And I credit it to the strength of the bonds in that community. But also, as I've gotten older, some of my closest, closest friends are men. And I opted to send my kids to co-ed school. And one of the reasons why was that I watched both of my kids hungry to figure out how to have non-sexual, right? Non-charged, even when they were young, like how to defy that and just have friendships with all people, regardless of who they were. And, you know, it's not to say that there aren't huge benefits of single sex education or single sex camps or single sex experiences in any way. But I just think we've moved beyond this place where that is non-sexual and everything else is sexual. Like all those walls have been broken down. So I think it's really important for the adults who are raising kids to realize that sometimes when we put up these barriers and we define these friendships as more than friendship, we're doing a disservice. Also, when we assume that they're only just a friendship as kids get older, we're doing that a disservice too. So that's sort of a big disclaimer of just like, Keep your eyes open and your reality hat on, you know, I guess that's what I would and say And also in same-sex environments, assuming there aren't all sorts of romantic relationships Correct. going on amongst I mean, kids, again, of yeah. all genders, people assume sure. it happens in all female environments and not all male environments. And if we want to be yeah. inclusive of every 
experience and orientation, there's the flip side of that. Especially so, as kids are trying on different, all sorts of different absolutely. ideas and notions and feelings and, and all that. So let's get to the scripting. And Vanessa, I think what we should start with, I'm looking at my little bullet points here. <laughs> let's, let's start with bullet point one. So let's set this in the following frame. It's the end of summer. So let's set it in a moment of transition. Yes. And I'm trying to think if we should do it for a kid of a specific age. And I do think we should do sort of a little script for a a tween and then a script for a teen. Yep. And let's have that tween. We're going to, we're going to take a kid who, however, in your mind's eye, listener, however it works for you. So maybe that tween was away at sleepaway camp and made friends at sleepaway camp that are new to you that you don't know. Maybe that tween was at home, but having experiences in your own city that you were working during the day or you were not at their program during the day. And so these kids are new. So the first script I want to get, Vanessa, is what's the language around talking to kids about feeding and watering new friendships that have cropped up over the summer with kids that you you don't know right? It's not like you've had any interaction. How do you help a child continue to grow that friendship now that the busyness of school is about to set in and maybe that kid is not in their daily routine? So with everything else, the questions we ask and the way we guide the conversation should be as neutral as possible. And I mean neutral in both positive ways and negative ways, right? So just like when your kid comes home from hanging out with someone and you don't say, did you have the best night? Was the it the most amazing experience I've ever? Done that. I've right? done that. It doesn't work. I, yeah, yeah. It, I, we've both done that <laughs> over and over and over again, and it doesn't work. So we're both working hard now into our third decade of parenting to not do that. By the same token, if your kid comes home and looks, you know, like tired or unenthusiastic, you also don't say, was it awful? Did they leave you out? Did they I've done that too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. That's that's what I'm here for, Cara. I can't tell you how to treat an illness, but I can tell you what not to say to your kids when they come home at the end of the Are you, Vanessa? Oh my God. (laughs) So if we're not saying, was it the best? And we're not saying, is it the worst? Or we're not saying, is this your new best friend? And we're not saying, do you now hate this person? Right? Because it's much easier to go to the extremes. What are we saying? So first of all, we're trying to gauge in a non-judgmental way. What do they like about this kid? Does this kid have interests that are sort of sparking new interests for them? Are they more adventuresome than their everyday friends? Are they more thoughtful? Are they kinder? Do they do sort of gifts of loving kindness for a phrase that you would never, ever use with your own child, but amongst adults, we understand what that means, right? Are they caring? Do they show that they're thinking of them? Are they more responsive over text or Snapchat than their school friends are? Are they funny in a way that's new? Do they like music in a way that's refreshing? Are they interested in movies or art or a sport that this kid is into? Like, so you're just trying to gauge like, huh, 
this is so cool. I love that you're like exploring this new relationship. I'm wondering what it is about them that feels like fun and interesting. Okay. As you're saying all those things, here's what's going through my mind. So the first is you can start with an open-ended question, but if that lands flat, you can go through a list exactly like Vanessa just did and prompt them asking them specifically, is this the thing you like about them? Is this like, I'm just going to guess you're getting curious. So getting curious is a really, really, it's a useful tactic, frankly, all day, every day, but specifically in this conversation. The other thing that's crossing my mind as you're going through this list, Vanessa, is that especially for tweens, a lot of their friendships are at this point pretty lifelong, right? They've been friends with this group of kids that they're friends with or a kid that they're friends with probably since maybe kindergarten, maybe before kindergarten. Even if it's a relatively new friendship, they're so young that it's a large fraction of their life that this... So shifting to a new friendship can be a breath of fresh air just because it allows for that reinvention that was described in the essay in our book. It's even at age nine or 10 or 11, it is a real relief to be able to be someone slightly different with another person. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with kids, middle school kids who've said to me, I've been with the same kids Mm -hmm. my whole life. And like, I like them, but I'm sick of them. And I want new friends and I want new people. And if we go back to the episodes we've done with Molly Colvin about input to the limbic system and seeking novel experiences and the importance of peer interactions, it makes sense that kids are seeking new inputs and new sensations to their limbic system. Like it neurologically makes sense. And it's funny because I've sat in rooms with sixth graders, seventh graders who are speaking out loud in front of their lifelong friends and saying like, no offense guys, but like, I'm really tired of being friends with you guys. Like I want new friends and everyone kind of nods their heads and they're like, yeah, I get it. Or they're like, my parents like tell me I have to stay best friends with the kid I've been best friends with forever. And like, it's not up to them. It's up to, it's not up to my parent. It's up to me. So this is the next one I want to go to, which is now the scenario of the tween. We're still in the tween years. We'll get to teens in a second. But the tween who is letting a friendship go. And the end of summer is a very common time for this to happen. Interestingly, when they're starting the new school year, they're coming into the new school year declaring that they're going to have new friends, which is a really interesting phenomenon that makes a lot of parents feel alone. And hopefully it helps to hear that it's really, really, really common. Mm -hmm. And so... That's very scary for parents. And what you just described, which is my parents are telling me I have to stay best friends with them, is a very, very common first pass response from the parents for really good reasons, for a lot of very thoughtful and smart reasons. But ultimately, I think figuring out how to have a conversation with that kid about why they want to move on and how, how if you're going back to a school, whether you have five or 500 kids in your grade. But let's assume in the tween years, the school classes are at least a little smaller. So it's a li- there's a little more, there are more optics here, right? It's not yeah. so easy to just slink into a different 
cluster of people and no one notices. So what do those conversations look like where the adult in the situation has let go of the fact that the kid does not want to stay best friends with the same person this year, that that something has shifted. How do we engage there without making a kid feel like they have to stay in the friendship? Yeah. I mean, I think just acknowledging what you're noticing, right? I notice that you're less interested in hanging out with so-and-so. And I totally get that. And it's really normal to want to explore new friendships at your age. And like, I'm not judging you for that, but I am going to hold you to some expectations about your behavior and how you treat this other person. And in my head, as a parent, I'm thinking to myself, you don't know when you're going to need this friendship again. You don't know if this group of people that you're becoming friends with are actually the people you want to stay friends with. And you know that this previous friendship is a trusted, kind human being. You don't know if the previous friend, how they're going to react and how they're going to treat your kid, right? So you're helping your kid create a baseline so that even if they're not continuing to like water and feed that friendship on a daily basis there's still a connection between them that can go back to, and it's just human decency, right? Like often when friendships change, there can be some some cruelty and some real fallout. And I think it is within our realm of our responsibility to help our kid not like go for a scorched earth approach to a friendship in transition. To mention that if you're talking about a tween, This is generally the first of many times in their life that they will pivot away from friendships. And it doesn't mean shutting the friendship out completely, but you want your kid to have a skill set where they can move away from a friendship if the friendship is toxic. When they're an adult, you don't want a child who was raised to hold on tight to every friendship, no matter how they feel in the dynamic, and then find themselves in negative relationships and abusive relationships and not fulfilling relationships, whatever it is. And they're going to make mistakes. And we make mistakes clearly at the top of this episode. You've heard two (laughs) of my many mistakes. But, you know, I I think it's very, very important. So Vanessa, let's try a little bit of scripting there around, you know, I am a kid in your life and I have just announced to you, I met the very best people this summer. And even though they don't live here in this city, I have a phone so I can stay, or I have text so I can stay in touch with them, right? I have the the technology, whether or not I own the phone. And I'm really happy to stay in touch with them. And I've decided I don't want to be friends with so-and-so and such and such anymore this year. And you know what? I'm actually fine having no friends at school because I'm so tired of those friendships, but I'm sure I'll meet someone and whatever, and it'll like all work out, but I'm done. So the first place you go is I'm so psyched that you have made these new friends and they're really exciting to you. And that makes me thrilled for you. That's awesome. The second place you go is it might feel like right now you don't need in-person friendships, but I think you're going to want to have in-person friendships when the weekend comes and your friends who you're in touch with via FaceTime or Snapchat are out at sports games or at the movies with their home friends or at parties or whatever. So it's great to hold on to some friendships, but you don't have to make them your tippy top priority. 
but it's really great to hold on to them. And you and I can talk about what that might look like. Like it might look like sitting with them at lunch during the school day, but maybe you don't sleep over on a Saturday night. Or maybe that looks like going to the mall with them, but not spending all weekend with them, right? So helping them understand, because kids this age are black and white thinkers and they have a hard time seeing the gray. The gray and some of us who are decades older than them have a hard time (laughs) seeing the gray. So it's our job to help them begin to understand nuance, right? Just because you love these friends who are not in your city doesn't mean you have to discard the friends who are in your city. You can teach them, don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. Which they'll be like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's and in the what? same sentence as don't cut off your nose to spite your face. And exactly. Like, okay. Okay. You're 150 years old. But it is true that essentially that's exactly the way into the conversation. What happens, Vanessa, when they say to you, you know what? I know what's going to happen. I'm telling you how I feel. And you're friends with the parents and you're still going to make a family plan and you're going to make me come to the family plan and I'll come. But it makes it really hard for me because I'm telling you right now, I'm just done. I just want to move on and I want to, I, I'm done. So I think it's important to normalize that kids want to change friendships. Like I do not think we should hold kids to staying best friends with the same kids their whole lives, partially because that's convenient for us. And we've been family friends forever and we barbecue together and we go on vacation together and all of that. So We have to give them permission to look outside of the world they've lived in so far. And so I think that's fine. I think that we can't force kids. There are certain things we can hold them accountable to, but then we can't overdo it. So just because it's in our interest doesn't mean we make a plan every weekend and then our kid ends up having to hang out with this other kid. Having said that, I would wonder... And I would get a little bit curious about why they're so aggressively done with that friendship. Like, I think it's worth getting a little bit curious about, oh, that's interesting. Like, this is some new information to me. I'm wondering what's making you feel like you just want to be done with the friendship as opposed to take a break or a little less time with them. Can you just like say a little more about that? So I love that advice because I'm going to, give you another mistake Cara has made in this podcast. <laughs> That's the subtitle of this podcast, Mistakes Cara Has Made. So one of the mistakes I have made many times, I never seem to learn from it, is <laughs> making assumptions that I understand the why mm. behind the decision that my kid has made. So one set of mistakes might be not respecting the decision or not talking through the decision. A different type of mistake is when you don't get curious just exactly as you've described, to understand what's motivating it. Because sometimes it's something about that kid, right? But sometimes it has nothing to do with that kid. And it has to do with where the child in your life is or some other totally unrelated circumstance. And this is how it's being manifest. Or it might have to do with managing feelings of guilt, that the feelings that you as the adult in their life feel about disconnecting a little from another kid's family in order to honor what your kid wants, that comes with guilt. And it's hard to have, it's really awkward to have that conversation, right? And and so you, you try not to, well, your kid might have guilt too. They might know they want to move beyond a friendship, but feel badly about it. So there's so many different directions it can go in. And sometimes 
we, I'll say I, have just thought I understood it. And you know what? Most of the time, I'm so wrong. I'm so, what I think is the obvious reason has nothing to do with what's going on. So I think these are really good tips. And I think it's a good starting place for the teen conversation because, and let's start with this, with the disconnecting from friends, and then we can go to the new friendship to wrap. That feeling of loss and sadness is very real for teenagers when they move beyond friendships. It doesn't matter if they've been wronged and they have righteous anger and all that, they still have loss and sadness when they Mm -hmm. leave a relationship. And it's very complicated and very layered often for them to move beyond a friendship. Sometimes the driver is social. One good example, but it's by no means the only example, would be, you know, sort of social precociousness. One group of kids is going socially faster than another, whether it's that they're breaking rules, they're using substances, they're, you know, sexually curious, whatever it is, there's like something that the word fast might describe. And for those kids, if we were our grandmothers, <laughs> we're loose, I was going to say loose, um, either if someone's pace is faster and everyone else is slower, or if someone is slower and everyone else is faster, that disconnect certainly drives plenty of friendships to go different directions. But in a very ironic kind of way, that's the easiest. That one sort of works itself out because kids will often just... they Because everyone gets it. Like yes. they know. They know everyone's on, they're on different timelines. That's right. And like everyone gets it. I think parents and the adults in their lives struggle more with that than the kids do. Agreed. So let's talk about a scenario where maybe something else has happened. Maybe... I don't know what it is. And I don't know that we need to come up with a specific example, but there's been something which has sort of driven two teens who have, you know, a, a sort of a, a different kind of history, right? They have the tween year history or they have the middle and early high school history together. And now something has driven a rift between them. And maybe it's not even a rift. Maybe it's just, there's just a little space that's been driven. Let's talk it through. So one example might be that one person didn't include the other. There was a party invite. Great. And one friend was invited by a group of people. The other one wasn't. And there's real hurt that the invitation wasn't extended to this friend. And they're kind of, you know, having it out. And these days having it out is usually by text or Snapchat. It's not necessarily by phone. Which they still call talking. And that gets very confusing. Right. So if your kid says, oh, she's talking to so-and-so, that means she's actually not just, A, not talking, but (laughs) snapping or texting. And B, it has sort of a romantic or sexual connotation to it. But in this case, it's two friends and they're, you know, going at it and one is hurt and one is angry and one is annoyed and one is frustrated. And your first instinct, there's two probably likely reactions. Your first instinct is to be indignant and irate on your child's behalf because they have been cast aside or excluded. I made that mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I have. I've made that mistake. By the way, that's that's like, don't do that. Just don't. I learned fast. Well, you can feel it 
but you have to figure out how to express it to your kid. So it's natural to feel upset and hurt on your kid's behalf. Yeah, except but, you're the grown up. I mean, at a certain point, it's like, get out, you know, get out of your kid's way. I know, I but you don't have I'm to say I'm saying this to myself. You don't by the have way, to Vanessa. say it. You just yes. can clock Correct. that you're having a really strong reaction to your kid being left out. Correct. So that's one reaction. Another really common reaction is, oh, stop being so dramatic. Like, what is the big deal? It's just one party. Like, who cares? You're going to have a million parties in your life. And like, why do you want that friend anyways? Like, if they're not going to include you, then just like stop being friends with them. I'm guessing that's not so useful. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. But it is a normal and natural reaction. And anyone listening has probably had both of those reactions in different situations at some point. And so it's great to clock your initial reaction. And then you've got to kind of deflate it and put it aside so that you can support your kid in a way that is helpful. So I want to remind everyone of advice we've gotten in the past from Lisa Damore, from Elisa Pressman, from Tina Bryson. The A-team. The the (laughs) A-team. Forget Mr. T. This is the A-team. And the response, the first response goes something like this. That sounds really tough. Do you want me to just listen or do you want me to give you some of my thoughts or advice? Right? So the first thing out of the gate, you are giving them the power, right? In a moment when they don't feel like they have a lot of power, you are giving them the power to choose what role you play in this conversation. Are you asking for a sounding board or are you asking for advice? And often when you prompt them, especially in the teen years, they're sophisticated enough to know the answer to that. And often the answer is, I am just looking for a sounding board and then I'm going to be done. Because what we often do thematically, I have done this. um, (laughs) What we often do is, They tell us one infraction. Well, I'm so annoyed because X, Y, and Z happened. And then what we, I might do is to say, (laughs) and A, B, C, D, and E, which is just not helpful. Not helpful. So prompting them to ask, do you want me to listen or do you want me to give you advice? And sometimes, sometimes they will say one and they will flip then to the other, especially when they say, I just want you to listen. And then they say, actually, will you give me your advice? Right. Or they've sort of gone through it and you're like, you've made all the right noises, right? Oh, that sucks. I'm so sorry. What a bummer. Oh, that must've been really hard. Oh, that's a tough position, right? All the right murmurings and noises. And then sometimes I will say, I actually have some thoughts Do you want to hear them or is that not helpful right now? And they will be honest. I mean, my kids will be honest. They will say, I don't want to hear your advice right now. And sometimes they'll say (laughs) with a a deep breath and a little bit of a giggle, they'll be like, okay, I'll go. All right, go ahead. I'll give you the mic for a minute. Yeah. And sometimes I might even say, Cara, what do you imagine I might say to you right now? Oh, that's a power play. I like that. And they will then proceed to both totally accurately figure out what I would say to them and successfully mock me at the same time, which means they're moving 
yes. from one emotional place to another emotional place. And I'm not doing it to distract them or, you know, deflect or any of that, but I'm sort of helping them move through whatever kind of more intense emotional feeling they're having. And I think it's very important that if as the adult in their life, you think they're making a bad choice, they're moving on from someone who's really important actually in their life. Maybe they've chosen to move beyond the person who has literally always been there for them, mm-hmm. who is always at the other end of the phone, who is who brings the ice cream over when they're sobbing, who, right, who's that person. It is absolutely fine and appropriate in the conversation that you're having and then in future conversations to remind them, hey, just want to flag it for you. So-and-so kind of awesome in this way. Yep. Not that you need to be best friends, but this thing that this person did was so amazing. And it just, it's a unique thing. It's rare. It's rare to find a person like that. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about one kid in one of, one friend in one of my kids' lives who, when one of my kids was having a particularly bad week, this friend who was not a very close friend at the time was the drop everything, bring ice cream over, let them sob. And then very quickly sort of went back to peripheral friend. And I was, I thought that's weird. I mean, this person is obviously cares about my kid and obviously is making themselves vulnerable and wants the friendship. And what I realized is, my kid didn't understand that love language, mm-hmm. right? And that is a love language. And so sometimes as the adult in the room, it is helpful and important to point it out either in the moment or later or both. And in this example, it really actually took a couple of years, but mm. after a couple of years, and it, the name didn't come up very often at all, but when the name came up, it was always in, as an example of, oh my God, you know what? I, I hope you are like blah in this way. And after a couple of years, suddenly there was this beautiful spark of friendship that just like came out, seemingly came out of nowhere. And it didn't come out of nowhere. You know what? It came out of that thing, that seed that the kid planted all those years ago. So not to say that it's our agenda. I think that would have blossomed on its own anyways. But as the adult in their life, when you recognize that they're giving up a good friendship, never terrible to remind them very occasionally what a good friendship and a healthy friendship looks like. If you get pushback, you know you've gone too far. And there's two final points I want to make, just quick points. And Cara, I don't know whether this is going to become another opportunity for confessional, but I don't think it is. The first is that when you're not really sure how to help or support a kid in your life, sometimes it helps to ask other kids living in your house. Like sometimes when my kids are dealing with oh, I've a totally done that. challenging, yeah. but that's a good thing. See, a good you know what, no, I, no. Do you see what I was doing there? I was giving you yeah. an opportunity. Well, to- I'm embodying our friend, Dana Abraham, who really encourages the adults to not view everything they do as mistakes. So <laughs> these are all learning experiences and that I've done that. So it's a great way. So at this point, my kids will sometimes go to each other before I even know there's anything going on. Which is the best. Which is awesome. And they get different advice from different siblings. So that's a nice thing to encourage, you know, peers or near peers have a more realistic perspective on how to navigate some of these complicated situations. The second thing I will say as I have noticed, there are two time periods in tween and teendom that are ripe for changing friendships 
in a wonderful way. Right. So we okay. all know seventh grade can be a friendship shit show. And we all know and fifth and eighth. And fifth. And well, eighth is I'm going to say something different about eighth, but seventh and then ninth grade is another very complicated moment. You got that? Fifth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to let you do your timeline. I'm going to do my timeline first before you mess it up and then you can change it all. Seventh and ninth are very complicated transitional moments. The end of eighth grade is a fascinating time of burgeoning social activity and identity where things get kind of thrown up in the air and there's all sorts of new stuff that happens and some very cool, interesting realignments and explorations. And I don't mean explorations by sexual or substances. I mean, literal social explorations. So I always hear from parents like, what's happening? Everything's changing all of a sudden. There's like three weeks left of eighth grade and everything's different. So yes, junior and senior year, I mean, particularly like the last two months of senior year, but the second half of high school is another time when all of a sudden the kids they weren't interested in talking to, they like never hung out with. All of a sudden those people are like interesting and cool and fun. And they're like, want to spend time with them. And that's another opportunity. They don't necessarily ditch their old friends, but all of a sudden they're like open to these new relationships in a very cool way. So you've picked in eighth and 12th, especially you've picked two very universal moments of pivot, right? So almost every school calls the beginning of high school, ninth grade. There are a couple of schools where the campuses don't shift till 10th grade Mm. and whatever. And so it's a little fuzzier, but that sort of titular shift to high school. And then again, from high school to college fuels a lot of this. The other thing is I credit schools and educators with working extremely hard, especially at the end of eighth and at the end of junior year into all of senior year to help. They're just pouring gasoline on the fire that these kids need in order to be able to make those leaps successfully. Yeah. And I think it's really, really intentional. So I like, I'm not going to argue with your timeline, but I, <laughs> I here's where I would land. I want to land with the very last group. And I, you know, I just want to do it as a wrap up point, which is the teenagers who have found new friends. And here's what I want to say to wrap. In my experience with my kids, the new friends that they make in the later teen years are kids that I don't know at all. Sometimes I've not met them. I certainly don't know their parents. Many of them don't live in our same city. And I am so curious about them because these are the kids who my kids have picked without anyone telling them you need to be friends. So this is the sort of most organic friendship of their lives. The the one that they selected a kid and that could selected them. And I'm so curious. I'm genuinely curious about what is it in that kid that's interesting and what is it in my kid that's interesting to them. And I have found that in this scenario, it is easier to have a communicator. So one of my kids is a better communicator and will answer those questions. I do ask both of my kids and one of my kids just doesn't, can't really point anything super specific because that's just sort of who he is and how he is. And it's very sort of intangible what's drawing him to other people. But what I find over and over again is that 
they pick really interesting, really kind, really different kinds of kids, almost as if they're trying to fill out the sort of spectrum of humans in their life. And so if their school friends hit certain metrics or have certain qualities, their new friends are often very different from that. It's like they're looking just to to round out the pie. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's amazing. And I have found getting curious, you know, as we've done this podcast for the past three years, Vanessa, the most common piece of advice we get from experts and the most common piece of advice we give is to get curious. When it comes to friendship, especially new friendship, especially as your kids get older, the most successful way to glean what it is about your kid and that relationship that's making it work is simply to get curious. And that's been fun. I do that. So, (laughs) yay. Two points for Cara. So don't dread it. There are wonderful, exciting aspects to navigating this all. And just clock your reactions and be aware of kind of when you're reacting on behalf of your kid and it's not helpful. And when you're excited for your kid and it is helpful. And the thing is to remember is just how normal it is. Friendships change best friends change. Not having a best friend is normal. I'm always going to be friends with you, Vanessa. I know. Well, there's no escaping me, Cara. You don't have (laughs) a choice. Sorry. (laughs) But we're a new friendship. But we are a new friendship. Yes. And showing your kids that you develop new friendships in adulthood is a wonderful thing for them to see that you can always make new friendships, that friendships change and evolve, that you can hold on to old friendships, but prioritize new friendships, all of that is healthy. Make good friends, but keep the old. I know. We're not going to sing it. We're not going to, but I love We're going to end this podcast now. So (laughs) send us questions, comments, disagreements with everything we've said. We're open to it because we're so good at taking constructive criticism. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. And good luck with the yet another transition in parenting. Bye, Vanessa. Bye, Cara. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast, and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com yet. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.